0: Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, episode number five hundred and fifty-two for June twentieth, twenty eighteen, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week is our guest. Our guest is someone you've heard me mention at least a hundred times, Steve Harris of Reinvented Software. It's because of Steve's application feeder that you've been getting all of the podcast delivered to you all these many years, and he's also the developer of Keep It that you've been hearing me yep about more recently. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hi, Allison. So, have you been on the show before? I was trying to look it up, but I mentioned you so often I couldn't do a search on my website for it. I think I've been on the
1: Nasilacast before you started splitting them off into different shows.
0: Oh, ah, okay. That
1: might have been about ten years ago.
0: <laughs> well, I looked, and we were friends on Skype, so it must have happened at some time. But now we're using That's the probably, new. Just, now we're yeah. using Discord, like all the cool kids, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked Steve to come on the show because he's a developer, and I, I normally don't have people come on the show like to talk about their own products, and I'm not going to let Steve talk about his own products at all, actually. What? <laughs> Did I get you here under false pretenses? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Well, I was hoping to get some uh, viewpoint from the developer side about some of the recent changes Apple's been making. And we're going to kind of do two fairly diverse topics. I want to talk about the App Store and the changes Apple's going into, and also what dark mode is and what it's going to mean to us and what it's going to mean to you in particular as a developer and what you're going to have to do. Um, So uh, you said right before we started recording that you've been trying not to have an opinion on the App Store. Is that really? Did you mean you were trying not to have an opinion, or trying not to express your opinion? (laughs)
1: I've been well. I've been trying not to express an opinion publicly for a while because um, I think for a while it's all that uh, a lot of people like me ever did. And Uh. I put up a blog post not well two three years ago, maybe. And um, it, it got some ferocious response from people. And that was about the uh, Apple's 30% cuts, you know, so that was... <laughs>
0: that was fairly benign.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's something you think everyone could get behind. And uh, I know, most goes, of us well. think it
0: should be 40%, but, uh, you know, there's oh. no talking to them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shareholders.
0: <laughs> well, so now, this is kind of a tricky subject because you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, but at the same point... Uh, we do live in a world where it's appropriate to suggest changes and things that could be improved. Um, so what do, you, what do you feel that the biggest pain points have been in the App Store in the past?
1: Um, well, they've actually, I mean, they've fixed some of these, to be fair. So in the past, then um, I think the, the biggest one for everyone was that reviews used to take between, say, a week to 10 days. So every time you submit a new version, it could take a week or, you know, two weeks <laughs> to get that out. That was horrible. They've actually got that down now to, say, a day. Oh, is
0: it really? Day.
1: Oh, wow. Yes. So, you know, that's that's really
0: good. Um, so one of the byproducts one, of that is we think you're just not fixing the bugs we told you about. Yes.
1: Right? And, the, and of course, you you know because it takes so long you tend to or you know i haven't had to do this for a long time now but you try and wait and you get a decent amount of bugs in and then you know you do the fix and you submit it and then obviously the very next day someone comes through with something else and you try know, to kind of weigh up whether it's you know important enough <laughs> but otherwise you know it's going to be another month maybe till they see that
0: wow and why don't you just not have yeah. bugs wouldn't that be easier that
1: would be much easier, yeah. If only we could do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's but, yeah, good to know. So go- when when did it start getting so much faster? That wasn't that wasn't this year. That was over the last couple of years. No, it's that, been getting faster. Yeah, that was at the
1: very start of 2016. I think what happened was um, Phil Schiller took it over from Eddie Q. Oh. I, I, and I think Eddie was not focused on the app side of things. OK, because, you know, he, he runs um, iTunes and all that as well. And Apple Music was maybe had it had been announced then. Yes, I think it has. Anyway, so Phil Schiller took it over. And sort of one of the first things that happened was that which is incredibly welcome.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So you can you uh, can iterate quickly on your app and and it's not. Yes. Uh, not um, a difficult process. Did, did they just throw people at it or do you know how they solved it?
1: I don't really know. Um, I think it's down to automation for a lot of it. And, and maybe okay. they just got a little bit, you know, uh, less crazy about what, they, <laughs> you know, maybe that let them focus on certain things then, let's say, and not, you know, I don't know what they used to do anyway. <laughs> uh, but it right. doesn't seem like there are that many of them that's sort the of thing you, if you if you do end up with a um a rejection you do start to have a dialogue with people and i mean certainly in the mac app store i've only known about two or three people to to ever get in touch so
0: oh okay so just so oh, does, doesn't I, seem like there's a massive staff there
1: doesn't seem like and apple's like that in general as far as i'm aware you know most teams are pretty small
0: interesting so what mm-hmm. else what else has been a, a pain point over the years
1: my pain point. Another one was
0: until,
1: was it middle of 2016? Late? No, hang on. I'm trying to think. Maybe start of 2017. Uh, developers couldn't actually respond to reviews.
0: Oh, yeah. So which something. Was a
1: huge thing.
0: So somebody completely misunderstands what the product is and they write a terrible review and you couldn't answer them?
1: that's right. And you don't know who they are. (laughs) You can't, you know, unless maybe if you recognize the name, you might be able to do something about it. But, um, and you know, it could just be that they're having a a problem that is maybe known or sort of, you know, just a very easy fix. And you just want to tell them, look, all you need to do is this. And (sighs) you couldn't. And, uh, you know, so that's 10 years.
0: I remember Reggie Ashworth, uh, submitting, um, app delete into the app store and him telling me, so he created uh, app delete light. And of course you can't delete files with an app in the Mac app store. So he created, he went to all this work to create an app that didn't do the one thing the app is designed to do. And he just got (laughs) eviscerated and there was nothing he could do. But I was just like, no, I was just kind of trying to show you some of the other stuff. But like, if you really want to delete files, you got to buy it over here, but you can't say, Uh, then you go buy it over here. Right. You're not allowed to point outside the store.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. You can't. You can't mention it whatsoever. So that's, you know, that's really tricky. So, times. So
0: now you can respond. But I, did I read correctly that you can only respond to somebody once? You can't get into a big back and forth?
1: Yeah, there's no threading. OK. <laughs> Which is the curse of every comment section, really, isn't it? Yeah, you can only respond. And they could then update their review if they wanted to, and you could update your response or delete your response if everything's good, you know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: I think the importance of that, uh, we we were going to go on a tour of the underground underground gardens in Fresno, and I read this review where this woman talked about how bad the tour guide smelled and how he didn't know anything, like he didn't even know how many rooms there were in the underground garden and, and how long he talked and all this. And the owners wrote back and said, yeah, he doesn't work there anymore. (laughs) <laughs> which made me happy. And the second one was the reason he didn't know how many rooms is because we don't know how many rooms there are. This place is so crazy. So I- immediately I took it and said, Oh, okay. You know, the, yes. it was, it was yes. it made it a perfect situation. And
1: I, I think the lack of responses before, I mean, people must've known that developers couldn't, but I, I don't know if they think that way, but it made it look as if developers didn't care. Oh
0: you know? and yeah.
1: There was that as well that, that, you know, well, I don't know if they can throw mud at you, they will, won't they? So uh, you can't answer back. You know, what's more irresistible than that?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Nobody ever writes snotty stuff to you, right? Oh no, everyone's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> what what else is frustrating or has been and and that you've seen fixed? Um, let me see. Now
1: another thing that that I think has just been really frustrating as a Mac developer is, is seeing the Mac App Store languish, really. You know, it's... it's.
0: What's, what do you mean by languish? Well, they,
1: it's it's lagged behind the iOS store in a lot of ways. Now, there's, some of this is behind the scenes as well. For example, on iOS, you get things like analytics. You can, you know, see how people reach, the, you know, your, uh, your pages, how many people are... Uh, viewing it and you know actually choose to download and things like that so things like that um but of course the other thing is is just that it it looks a bit neglected and because people have a choice about where to put their apps and there are issues of the mac app store such as sandboxing and um the lack of upgrade discounts and the lack of free trials which we'll get onto i think um then you know, the content in the store isn't all that good either. So,
0: so, so I, I've heard people say that, it's but a bit
1: poor.
0: I don't, I guess I don't find that to be true. I go looking in there for things. Um, but I think in general, I hear about things first and then I go look. So I don't look at the top, you know, top free apps or top utility apps. Right. I, every once in a while I do and I get bored really quickly and maybe that's why I don't go do it. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. Um, but that, there's the other big one though I mentioned it just now is sandboxing, um, which restricts what apps can do, which is a good thing in a way, except that a lot of apps have been designed to be able to do things like show what's in your you know, show what's on your disc. And I think that was one of the things that's been keeping some of the apps out because previously they could do that no problem, and then if they can't do that, well it's it's really difficult. I mean, that's just one example. You couldn't
0: even show what was on a disk with an app. Not without
1: getting permission. And to get permission, somebody had to either use a standard open panel, you know, like you get when you do file open, or uh, drag, say, a file or a folder to the app. That would give it permission to look at those things. But say an app like Transmit, um, couldn't. you would open Transmit, and it would show you what, say, in your home folder... Um it couldn't do that as a sandbox staff.
0: Oh wow. I didn't realize that. I knew Transmit had uh had left. Uh for people who uh, sorry, Panic had left. Um for people who don't know it, that's an FTP client. So its whole job is to look at your disk and look at the uh, the disk of your um of your server and things like that.
1: Yes, and transfer files. So without so, that, it's pretty useless. So
0: other it? than being able to read and write, it was it worked really well?
1: Right, yeah. So
0: so did Apple, (laughs) Apple didn't have sandboxing so they could could do all those things, then they added sandboxing so that broke it? Exactly. So have they gotten rid of sandboxing?
1: I don't think so. No, no. It sounds like they've had to make a new exception for apps like Transmit, but I haven't seen any uh, documentation on it yet because... I don't think we mentioned it yet, but Transmit is going to return to the app, <clears throat> the new redesigned Mac App Store. Um, right. I think when Mojave comes out.
0: Right. So I, I heard an interview um, with the guy who writes uh, BBEdit, and uh, right. uh, they are also coming back. But he also didn't know yet how they were going to accommodate him. They just said, we're going to figure this out for you, because I think oh. they do some lower level file stuff.
1: Okay. So yes, yes, they do, doesn't it? I think that can show uh, files.
0: Yeah, so maybe um maybe there's a a different review process, you know, to say if but but that could get into well, if you're a trans or, you know, a panic or a, a bare bones then we'll let you do this stuff, but you're just you know, you're Steve Harris, who the hell are you? I'm sorry, who the heck are you, you know? Maybe they don't let you. I hope it's not on that kind of a a basis, but on something a little more concrete.
1: Yes, I hope so too. And it would have to be, I think, it would have to be fair. But that said, see, they do review every app that goes through the Mac App Store, don't they? So, uh, you know, they can just make sure that it's doing the right things and not doing the wrong things, I suppose. Maybe they've come up with,
0: maybe they've come up with a clever way to do the sandboxing where you, you give explicit permissions from within the app to say, yes, I would like to allow that. And here's my admin uh, password or something.
1: Yes. Yeah, it could be that. It could be the same way that you um, provide access to your calendar right now. For example, isn't it? You, you say, oh, all your photos on your iPhone. It says you want to access your photos and you say, yes, okay. Let it access my photos.
0: Well, and you bring up an interesting point. One of the things they said they're going to add is that Mac apps will have to ask permission to use your microphone and your camera. Why didn't they Mm. before? I know. I know. (laughs) Right? I mean, Um, that seems kind of like, well, wait a minute. How come this Mac app can do whatever the heck it wants, but my iPhone app can't?
1: Yeah, I mean, all Macs have... Webcams now, don't they, um, and microphones.
0: Actually, Mac Minis don't, but uh, pretty much everything no, else does.
1: That's well done, you thought of one. Yeah, and the Mac Pro, but nobody actually bought one.
0: <laughs> right, both of the people who bought them <laughs> are really mad about it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was actually surprised we bought Mac Minis for uh, my mother and father in law, and then realized they couldn't Skype with us where they had had uh, iMacs before, or oh. uh, an iMac and a um, and a uh, MacBook. And so when we got them, that was like, okay, well, I guess we're buying you cameras, too.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that myself, either.
0: Yeah. About it. yeah. You just
1: take it for granted now, don't you?
0: Yeah. But I like being asked for those permissions to some extent, but mm. every once in a while you get an app like going, no, you don't need access to my calendar, you're a, you're a mapping programmer. If I need you to do that, I'll okay. let you know. I mean, I guess yes. there are now cases yes. where maps are going, well, let me warn you that it's time to leave for your appointment because I know about this calendar or something, but uh,
1: yes. They're hey, all I, trying to get too clever, aren't they? So they want, they say they want your data to do this and that. And you think, well, do you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that you can say no. That's, that's a yeah. nice thing. Have you noticed Google has started asking for your location, even when you're just searching for something like, you know, how do I make pie?
1: Oh, I know. I know. Every time. It's very annoying, I think, because yeah. it's every time.
0: Yeah, it does seem to be. Maybe we should mm. just say yes, and then they t- it would stop bothering us, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure they... I think it may only be allowed to do it for a certain period of time. I think that's why. I think even if you say yes, maybe the next day,
0: you'll it's be again. asked again. Yeah, yeah, I understand it. Well, uh, back to Apple. Do you feel like Apple gets it yet? Do they Do they understand what the, the problems are of the developers? <sighs> I.
1: I don't think they do. <laughs> I think maybe they they do understand to an extent. But it does seem to me like there have been many problems, with the app stores, both of them, for a long time that that just they've willfully ignored, you know, and that's, hmm. I don't know.
0: Well, that would mean they it's get it. They some... just don't care. <laughs> yes. Like some of those things, would, wouldn't it?
1: yeah i think I think what it is is that the iOS app store, actually, because it's always been quite restricted and because it's their priority, it seems, then you know that's anything they do there is probably makes it better, and the opposite is true of the Mac because everything they've done has made life more constrained and more restricted, and so hmm. you know you've got that <laughs> developers are trying to say, well, you know, please let us do things like." you know, access the file system or, you know, have discounted upgrades or free trials and things like that.
0: Yeah. Now the the discounted upgrades and free trials is really interesting to me because uh, to the audience, I recently did a, a screencast for Don McAllister Screencast Online on Keep It, Steve's app. And I must have bothered Steve 28 times trying to understand the pricing model on the Mac App Store. <laughs> And I mean, I'd yes. look at it and, and I swear it'll say like uh, 299, 299, 299, 699, 999, and the labels next to them don't seem to have anything to do with what those numbers are. And I mean, it's 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 baffling what, what it means. And I'm sure you did the best you could to try to make it make sense. But looking at it, I didn't know what it was until you explained it to me.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. You're restricted about what you can put in the names of these things. You can't actually say for example, in the name of a monthly subscription, that it's a monthly subscription, because that appears what? when you manage your subscriptions on the line below, but you can't actually put the name of it itself. So that's why you see.
0: Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> so you can't say per month? That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that does explain it a little bit. So if you had a yearly and a monthly, there's yes, no exactly. way to tell them what that is
1: you can't yeah you can't tell them about it, so <laughs> no you're allowed to
0: put it in the free form text below um
1: i think what happens is because the app store knows how long it is when you actually got to manage those subscriptions then yes it shows it underneath you know it says how long the period is and all and all this but for some reason they won't let you put it in the name and mm. so you're left with that sort of baffling and you see a lot of apps like that you know they might have you know 10 different types, types of subscriptions but you can't tell them apart from that <laughs> list you you have to go in the app and when you go in the app then you will see what they all mean but outside of it forget it
0: oh, maybe geez. they're
1: fixing that actually in the next in the in the uh, redesign
0: it almost seems like it's it's designed to um not to convey information which, which is sort <laughs> of the opposite of what you would hope it would be
1: yes yes
0: so I mentioned during, um, I don't know if anybody can hear my cats having a cat fight there. That's handy of them. I to can ch- hear
1: your cats having a cat fight.
0: <laughs> Sorry <laughs> about that. Well, that's what happens when you name your cats after computer programmers. That's Ada Lovelace <laughs> and uh, Grace Hopper having a fight right now. <laughs> They're very upset about the App Store, that's for sure. Uh, so a, a couple of weeks ago, I told the listeners about Mars Edit, uh developer Daniel Jalkit's post on how the new free trial mode is really well. He called it an ersatz free trial mode, so I had to go look that mm. word up, and I think it kind of means smoke and mirrors or something that appears to be something but it really isn't. And and yes. I didn't really describe it in detail. Can you take us through what the problems are, and and whether Apple has actually solved them with their big announcement?
1: Okay. Um. <laughs> So Daniel wrote a very long blog post. Well, it's not very long, is it, I suppose? But it's, you know, a fairly uh, substantial blog post about the problems with the free trials that Apple announced. Now, the way Apple, well, what Apple announced was that really they were allowing something that a lot of developers like Daniel, myself, and uh, Omni group they're another one who've been doing it, a lot of developers now have been doing this for a while, which is that you can... Offer a free trial using an in-app purchase that costs $0. Hmm. So, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so this means that you'll open the app and it'll say you can have a free trial. And you'll, you know, click the button to start the trial. And you'll be asked whether you want to make a, an in-app purchase for free for this thing. And you'll confirm in that way we have a record. That you've had your free trial um now is it for a
0: limited it. length of time
1: well that's up to you really how long you make is really up to you but the um the oh, receipt you- every uh, app has a receipt and so we'll be able to check what data was taken out and then we'll be able to work out from that so you, you know. can
0: make it for 14 days or 10 days
1: yes yes okay so there's the is there to do what you like, as far as that goes.
0: So is it like a monthly subscription, except you made it be zero, and in order it's but they can't pay it's zero not a second subscription,
1: time because hmm. that they're different. So it's it's just an in-app purchase, as if you you know if you bought an, an upgrade on a game, a one-time thing. So it's a one-time zero dollar payment. Okay. Um, and, all it really does is give the developer a date of when that trial started that they can always get retrieved. Cause you could delete the app and you wouldn't have a record of it, but because the receipt that's tied to the app, uh, is permanent. You know, okay. so once you buy an app, you always get a receipt that tells you when, when they originally downloaded it and, and all that. So that's the way to offer a free trial. Now Daniel's post, I've just explained how it worked. Um, Daniel's post um, made a point that really this is nothing new. Omni groups started doing this, I think, a few years ago. And, th- you know, they were big enough to experiment the idea and see whether Apple accept it. Mm-hmm. So all Apple has really done is just mentioned this in the guidelines to say it's okay to do this. So they haven't actually done a single thing to make this happen. Nothing new anyway.
0: So, with um, with that that fake free trial, that zero dollar mm, purchase, can yes. you um, can you get full functionality to the app? And it also expires.
1: Yeah, but that's just down to the developer, really. As I said, the the receipt that you know um, all apps from the App Store or the Mac App Store have tells you when that was purchased. So then the developer can say, well, it's been fifteen days since that free trial was purchased in inverted commas i'll expire the trial now and you know so that's up to you so you can do all that yes
0: okay okay but you can't have full functionality yes and then the person then the person can go back into the app when it stops working and and buy it
1: yes okay with another in-app purchase one-time thing
0: by the way, Sal Segoyan explained this at the Command D conference, and I didn't understand it at all, the way he described it. I think I follow what it is oh. now that you're describing it. Okay. Because <laughs> he good. works for Omni <laughs> Group now, but he was talking about how clever oh, well, they felt that is. they figured that they cracked the code on this.
1: Hmm. Yeah, no, they were very clever to do this, because I think the in-app purchases had been around quite a few years before they cracked it. And When they cracked it, I think and Apple accepted it. Everyone else thought, oh, okay, we'll try that. If
0: Omni can get away with it
1: yes they can't okay, say so anything because they can't block Omni
0: I got the sense from Daniel's post that that wasn't really a full free trial but it, because he he talked a lot about how people make like these limited versions available where you have to figure out some arbitrary spot or hopefully not arbitrary spot in your code to say you get these many features but if you want this you have to go buy extra you have to do these in-app purchases <clears throat> right
1: yeah I don't know if I mean, maybe, maybe that matters to some people. All apps are different. I think what Daniel was also saying was that um, he wasn't sure whether an app could be allowed to have a free trial that expired and then, say, not work at all. You know, would it still? Because oh. I think Omni made their apps read-only when it expired. Okay.
0: Is, you know,
1: maybe useless, but at least you can see the, the files that you put in it. Or the files you made with it
0: i see yeah yeah that's and that's a big
1: deal though i making an app read every you know every single place you normally allow something to say don't allow it. so that's a real pain for a lot of people and it's not impractical really for uh, for some apps you know it, yeah it might not be a, a read you know a read deal in the first place but um and, but there's nothing in the guidelines to say that so um i think that's that's just in worrying a bit i think that 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 might need to be a requirement. Well,
0: it sounds like uh, there's sort of a theme to everything you've been saying here is that the frustration is the lack of information, that that you don't know what they're going to say yes to or no to. So you you don't really know, for example, how these free trials are going to work, exactly what they're going to do differently.
1: Yes, that's right. And then (laughs) you're just waiting for that rejection. you know. So that's the only way you tend to find these things out. It's that and, and, you know, trying to follow what someone else has done. That's usually the safest option is to do so something that's already been done.
0: You're drafting behind someone going, they didn't notice him, maybe they won't notice me. <laughs> mm, mm. That's interesting. Exactly. That's interesting. <laughs> so uh, you talked about the App Store languishing and they yapped a bunch during the keynote about an App Store redesign. And to be honest, I didn't really pay any attention to that. Um, what, what was wrong with the App Store? and What do they say they're going to do differently?
1: Um, I think the redesign is just to make it match what's on iOS 11 and they have a new, they have a few features in the app store on iOS 11, isn't it? like um, today, uh, where they feature a, a different app every day, or a few apps every day, I think, and um, just generally make it look more modern anyway. Okay. Uh and Stories. It... I'm not sure how I feel about these. What are sto- <laughs> what are Stories. <laughs> there's sort of stories about the apps and the developers and you see these in the iOS app store, you, you know, say if you look to the game of the day and then you find, Oh, they've done this big piece on it, you know, with screenshots and telling you all about the game and the people who made the game and things like that. So, uh, so we'll have to see how well they do getting those stories together.
0: Oh, that that's kind of interesting. Um, I have an idea of how that, that could matter. Uh, you know, when you when you watch the Olympics or if you watch the Olympics, it's often more interesting if you've seen a bit on, you know, how Sally was born in this poor neighborhood and, and you know, had to carry water to, to school on her head. And now she's an <laughs> Olympic swimmer or whatever. Yes. Uh, you know, you sort of feel like you're rooting for them because you know something about them. They're real people. Uh, and yes. maybe that's part of what they're what they're doing.
1: Mm, yeah. Um well it'll be interesting anyway. <laughs> well whether
0: you'll be interesting is I mean, I don't know whether oh, that's really see, gonna get there.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tarek has been writing computer programs in his bedroom since he was eight. <laughs> 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 he hasn't got any friends.
0: Exactly. Please please buy his app, he's so sad and he lonely. has a
1: sunlight allergy.
0: <laughs> 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 definitely, definitely. Um, so, uh, any, any other things in the app store other than, than making it look pretty, Uh, anything specific or.
1: They're also doing video previews for Mac apps, which have always been on the iOS app store. Not always, but three or four years. Yeah. I think it was iOS 8 on the iOS app store where you could have a video preview and see, you know, what the app can do. Oh, that Uh, isn't there there on. No, no. That's another thing that's been missing all that time, really. Three years. Uh, yeah, I think it's. Oh, I didn't know that. Four years. It'll be four years by the time they actually launched it. That you know would have been on iOS, not on Mac.
0: Wow, I didn't even notice mm. that.
1: So no, they they haven't really done anything to the Mac App Store since since it launched.
0: <laughs> you're, just, you're just you're just lucky it's not iTunes, right? It <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> oh exactly. actually, no. Didn't they? they pulled it out of the iTunes out of iTunes, right? No no, 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 That was iOS. Pull. They pulled out of iTunes.
1: Yeah, they did pull the iOS. Yeah, so yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. I see. Well, I, w- I want to kind of take us ninety degrees to a completely different topic. Unless there's anything more uh, you want to talk about with the App Store, it sounds like you're cautiously optimistic. There.
1: I am. I am. It's it's nice to see a bit of attention going back to it. It's it's you know it's always getting better. It just might not be, it's slow, it's slow progress, but it's going in the right direction. That's, that's the main thing.
0: Oh, I, I do remember one thing I wanted to complain about the Mac App Store. Uh, well, actually, uh, in-app purchases in general make me crazy and maybe they're better for developers. So that, I guess that's okay. But one of my favorite things about the Mac App Store is I can buy an app and put it on all my Macs. So I've got a spare Mac for emergencies that I go work on. Right. Uh, but a lot with in-app purchases, you can't do that. Um,
1: I think you can if it if it's under your Apple ID. yeah. But, but I can't but put can't it can't on Steve's family. No, you can't do family sharing with an app purchases. And that's another problem with these free trials because that means that people, you know, typically you would buy an app and share it with your family, wouldn't you, if you want right. you know, if you say outright. And yes, that's that's a huge problem with it actually, because you know, there, there'll be no way to do family sharing. In fact, I've had this myself. My app, Keepit, does iCloud sharing. And of course, that's one of the first things that came up is, oh, can you do family sharing? And ooh, no, you
0: can't. Because so, it does iCloud sharing, you can't do it? or No,
1: um, you can't do family sharing. You can't share the app with anyone else okay. in your household, which is the number one reason people were buying it. <laughs> oh. So <laughs> So that's yeah, that's a downside. So uh, I mean, they can do it if they buy it directly from me, though. I will say that yeah, you know, I don't mind.
0: Right, right. I do. You know, I I sit there and debate it when I get an app whether okay, am I going to want to share this across with my family? I would tend to buy it mm. in the Mac App Store, uh, but if I'm not going to, I would try to go directly to the developer. But uh, I got an app recently for review where I had to enter a license code and I realized I couldn't remember the last time I went into 1Password and put a license code into it.
1: <laughs> and yeah. that was
0: that was just delightful. I love not having to manage license codes.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, and I think about 60, well, no, it's more like 70% of my sales coming through the Mac App Store. That's where they've obviously got a choice. Oh, wow. So, Okay. People really do, maybe 65%. But yeah, people really do prefer it. Well, and uh, it's understandable.
0: That brings up something else I forgot to talk about uh, that I do want to make sure we include this is, so uh, what's better, Steve, uh, an outright purchase or a subscription? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh Well, you know nice easy
0: topic um <laughs> let's let's talk about religion instead of that right
1: <laughs> yeah religion and politics it would be easy <laughs> there is nothing more contentious is there really than than the the matter of pricing apps well i mean there are in the real world around but in the world of, of apps right nothing gets people's blood boiling quite as much And um, i'm in the position now where i offer both and, um, well, I did some figures, as you know, before, I, <laughs> before we started recording this. And it turns out that um, they're split straight down the middle. 50% really? of people have bought subscriptions. This is where they have a choice. And mm-hmm. 50% have, you know, paid a, a one-time fee and bought it that way. So there is, there is no winner. <laughs> that is that when is I'm strange. saying, 50%, it is actually only two licenses difference between them i can't remember which one it is either it doesn't even matter does it you know right. two licenses two people wow or on one side of the other it's you know it's a rounding area it's
0: <laughs> that's fascinating that's actually that's actually really 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 revealing and it explains why we can't declare which is better because half of us feel one way and half of us feel the other you know, Bart yes. and I agree on an awful lot of stuff, but even Bart and I have gotten into these giant arguments about it, about what's better.
1: <laughs> and I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of subscriptions myself. You know, I mean, I would avoid them if possible. But there is a whole there are people that just and I understand their point of view. Just think, well, this is a nice, cheaper, you know, more affordable way. It might not be the long run, but certainly, you know, if you if it's a difference between saying, oh, you know, I'll pay. I don't know, say 20 bucks a year or, you know, plonking down 60 bucks for this right now. And I don't know how long I'm going to use it. Then, yeah, I can understand.
0: Yeah, I I don't think the problem is so much that subscriptions are bad. I think we have subscription fatigue that Mm, you suddenly mm. turn around. I mean, I, I think about things. I'm old enough that we had a home phone that cost a fortune Um, Or no, no, a better example would be television. Uh, You know, we had a, a TV when I was growing up and you bought a TV and it cost a fortune, but then you plugged it into the antenna and you were done and you never paid a dime right, after yes. that now i'm paying i don't know 100 bucks a month to watch television yeah that's
1: yes yeah that's right <laughs> you got your netflix and you got your amazon and you got all the yes and i've still I got know. cable
0: and yeah so it's yeah. <laughs> it, it, it it's that fatigue where you look around and realize oh i'm paying this for my uh you know for my doorbell fee and this is for you know <laughs> for this app i bought and it all starts to add up after a while yes yeah well, let's, let's turn the corner and talk about something really fun that uh, I don't think is really terribly um, controversial. It seems to be overwhelmingly uh, met with excitement is that Apple introduced dark mode in Mac OS. And so I just want to start with the obvious question. This is just you push a couple of buttons on your apps, right? You'll be done? You'll be ready to go? <laughs> um, not quite. <laughs> a,
1: a teeny bit more than that? It's a teeny bit more than that. And it actually depends on the app. I mean, I think some of my apps, they won't be that much work. But, I mean, there's definitely going to be a whole ton of things that just suddenly don't look right.
0: So and, this, um, this isn't just inverting the colors. There's a lot more no, to it than that.
1: There is a lot more to it than that. Um, there, you know, currently, there's you could use, say, icons might have to change because you might use white space in an icon that's in in light mode but you know in dark mode you turn around and you you haven't got that sort of that white space <laughs> down to transparencies you're gonna to have to do something completely different um there are also um apps the apps i make and i think a lot of developers do this you spend an awful lot of time making something look completely native it's a custom thing that you've made and then there's a search field in in keep it that looks like this it looks like it's a completely standard thing but actually it isn't what you've done is you've painstakingly tried to recreate something that looks quite standard and then you, you're gonna have to for dark mode painstakingly make it look redesigned right dark mode so yes yeah and so- be able to work in both modes
0: Steve and I were chatting uh, offline about uh, the the, there's a WWDC session on dark mode that's not super technical. There's a more technical Mm. session after that. But there's one that kind of walks through the thought process Apple went through to develop dark mode and what you need to look at as a developer, what you're going to need to do with your apps. And I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to that because it's really interesting. There's part in the middle that's about text that put me into a coma. Um, but but the things like what you said about the icons, they they showed. Um, I think it was a smiley face, and they said, you know, right now it's a white smiley face with a or, you know the white face with a, a dark smile and dark eyes. And if you invert it, it'd be uh, you know a black or a white circle with a black interior. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe that isn't what you want. But as it got into more complex uh, icons or glyphs, as he referred to them, it it got more interesting. Like an envelope. In order to really convey that, that something is going into an envelope, you have created this depth the way it's done in, in white on black that actually, it, when you invert it, it doesn't work at all. And you have to think mm. about the elements as you create those to make that look correct.
1: Yes, yeah. It's, it's very good talk. And if you just like looking at design, because uh, most of the talk of that first half, anyway, is given by a, a designer, isn't it? Yeah. Which you don't see many of them. A, a
0: UI designer.
1: Yes, a UI designer on stage and talking about how they thought about it as well. So it's very interesting from that point of view. Because you don't get that sort of insight very often.
0: Yeah, because he talked about what were the design philosophies behind it. Mm. And, and he kept stressing this one bullet that said, dark mode is cool. Dark apps <laughs> are cool. And, he, and he, wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't like, you know, stoner cool. He was just saying, it is a fact that dark, is, dark mode is cool. And then yes. he would explain why. Well, so why would we care? What do you have to do? And and he he zoomed in on little details of what they had to do, like um, how you know where the edge of a window is when it's a dark window on a dark background, and Ooh. and there's this tiny little light line that's around the edge, <laughs> or the way how did they blur the shadows? And you know, it, it it was. I thought it was really really interesting.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's the problem you get with things like dark. But it looks easy. But until you really get into it, and it's things like, well, yeah, you've got a black button on a black window. <laughs> you've got to be able to tell where they are.
0: <laughs> now, th- they also described a lot of uh, new uh, elements that I assume were new. That he had a word for them, but but instead of saying, "I'm going to make this, uh, you know, gray, thirty percent opaque," there there were names for the grays. He kept referring to them as semantic na- uh, semantic names. Yes. Can you explain that a little bit, what he he was talking about?
1: We've had these since, about Yosemite was the first one, I think, that introduced this. And so all the colors in the UI, um, say for text, have a name. So you would have um, a label color that, in a normal light uh, UI, is black. And then you could have a secondary label color, that is normally, ooh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a sort of mid-gray mid and a tertiary label color, which should be, you know, quite light. It's not unreadable, but it's certainly, you know, and these things are meant to show you what's more important. It's obviously the main label color. That's the thing you want to look at. And, but they've got these for all sorts of things, really, now. They've, they've got things that tell you what the background color should be, you know, what the... Uh, accent color they're calling it in in the UI but it's a control color would be and um you know they've had they've had some of these for a very long time but these these label colors have a special meaning as well because when you put them on a transparent background like you know in the sidebar and the finder they do a little sort of see-through effect where you can sort of see a bit of the content behind the window in them and them and things like that so, so were, that's that's
0: uh, new right that wasn't there before that's the
1: most of them have been around since Yosemite.
0: But like, I'm looking at have... a finder window and the sidebar is not translucent at all. I don't see what's behind it. Do you not? Know no, I don't think so. I but do. it definitely is. Oh, you do? <laughs> I wonder if you have it to. Should be. Um, That's the sidebar
1: in the finder. Yeah, it has to be active. And then if you move it around, you should be able to mm, see.
0: Not a most... of a slight of Wait that. a minute. Let me see. I'm going to zoom way up see if I'm seeing anything. No, that's my imagination. I think you're crazy. Um, do you have okay. a, tra- let me ask you, do you have a translucent menu bar turned on? Yes. I wonder whether that has to be turned on. Oh, it could be. Let's do I'm this live. I that option. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a translucency thing, right?
1: Yeah. And it should be very similar to the menu bar, I think, you know.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. There's something under. Let's see, translucency under. No, that's under accessibility. I don't remember where that is. Maybe it's a finder preference.
1: Yeah, it could be. I like doing this live or because you know everybody who knows. Accessibility.
0: That's where I was just that looking. A, if you know. I like knowing that people terrible. listening are yelling at their devices right now. Going, the, you morons! I over. know.
1: I'm <laughs> one of those people who never bothers to change his settings. I don't do anything to it because I, I generally try and test the, the standard thing all the time. So I'm always <laughs> super standard.
0: Oh, that's funny. Um, now I'm, gonna, I'm actually resorting to searching the internets for how to do it. How to use a <laughs> Mac menu bar in. <laughs> uh, there it is. Here it is. Toggle the menu bar translucency. We need to know the answer to these things right now. Where is it? Uh, oh good grief it's on desktop and screensaver
1: oh so obvious
0: yeah that's where i would have looked uh and i'll find that gonna bring this up well anyway i i think the uh important point you were trying to make was that uh these things were have been around for a while um but they aren't guess what that option is not available to me I'm looking at desktop and screensaver, and it's not there. It's oh, supposed to be below.
1: Taken it out. Change picture. Not so deck. Yeah, uh, not deck. Dock preferences. They put a lot of stuff in dock, dock preferences. Did do they? You think it's got absolutely nothing to do with a dock.
0: This is uh, this is good stuff. This is uh, definitely good this audio. Let's keep cruelty. going. Automatically show. I and hope I somebody's using
1: their three G bandwidth for this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I don't see it in there no. either. Maybe
1: they've taken it out. Maybe they've snuck it out. Maybe. Um, I will be sending you a screenshot of it working. When you find find it. Nope. You're crazy.
0: It's not really there well they, they they did show a lot of that now it, it was interesting because the way you colored your um, your sidebar and your menu bar and things would dramatic how you, how you use the correct type of colors and not not oh. doing basically it's not like you're choosing these semantic names instead of absolute colors so that they yes. reacted correctly depending on the background uh, underneath it so the exactly. if somebody had a red flower, it would be different than a blue flower.
1: Yes, yes. Now, some people might not have made the jump to using these things yet. You know, they might have said, well, what's the difference? You know, label color is black. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll just use a normal black. Uh, and their apps won't automatically look fantastic uh, in dark mode. So, um, but apps, I, I have actually been using them because I've redesigned my apps for the last few years anyway. So uh, I've been using these. So I'm hoping that'll... Saved me a lot of work.
0: Oh, oh, okay. So, if so you've been keeping up with these um, with these new conventions, then you're mm. going to be better off in terms of as yes. a developer.
1: Yes, it does always pay as well as a developer to pay attention to what Apple's doing ahead of time because they often do have. oh it seems to work this way you know they've got another thing next year you find another thing it's like ah that's why they wanted us to do that but they won't tell you because they don't tell you anything they can help it (laughs)
0: see see previous uh see previous comments about apple being uh obscure and not telling you things right
1: yes it's in their culture as well i think they just don't say anything unless they absolutely have to so but it does go a bit too far sometimes
0: Ooh, I found how you make your menu bar dark. That's in general. Yeah, they probably
1: swapped that one for the other one.
0: Yeah. It still doesn't make my sidebar translucent, though. You're still crazy Ah, about that.
1: Okay, fine. (laughs) I'm seeing
0: things. (laughs) Won't be the first time. Uh-huh. Uh, I, this is probably a good point to uh, to drop in the comment that you made. In uh, It was actually uh, Adam Christensen who sent it to me that in your feeder, uh, thank you to the, my family and friends for supporting me thing, there's a <laughs> section that says, and thank you to Allison Sheridan for being generally annoying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Evidently that was in there for years before I knew it was there
1: well i'd forgotten i'd put it in there that's the other thing you know, I, I put it in there i don't know when i put it in there i said i asked if i could screenshot at your podcast my screenshots oh because, that's uh that's, you know that's... it's nice to use a real podcast and a real you know rather than try and make up my own fantasy podcast. oh
0: some of it's in your i didn't know it was in the screenshots too uh, I, and i no, don't the, even use the, the, the comment not
1: i used um Nisilacast in in the screenshots I think I asked you, is it okay to use Nesilocast in my screenshots? Wow, you said I don't yes. even remember and So I that. must have put it in then. And I completely <laughs> forgot about it. So when Adam mentioned it to you, and you mentioned it, it was a surprise to me as well. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so we have a long history of giving each other uh, crap, is, is what I'm trying oh, to say yes. here.
1: yes,
0: yes, yes. So, so back to dark mode, um, w- this is really going to make apps that don't do the adaptation look really stupid, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. And, you know, you can think of quite a lot of apps which maybe haven't seen much love for a while, can you? You can, you know, so any app, and of course any app that maybe you have to that, you know, won't be updated because they're no longer updating it, that's another thing that's going to look quite bad.
0: Yeah, those um, those may disappear yeah. with the 64-bit requirement too, right?
1: Yes, there's that as well as, no, yeah, it's going to be a... a massive purge soon isn't there of, of apps that no longer work
0: yeah yeah the, the, um,
1: but yeah you've got to do this i think or you're going to look you're going to be blinding everyone <laughs>
0: <laughs> right right another design philosophy thing they talked about was they said your app's going to look so cool in dark mode you're going to be tempted to have it only exist in dark mode and they mm. kind of talked about the philosophy of what apps should be dark did you yes what did you think of that did you agree with that I do
1: agree with that. and I mean, there are a lot of apps which already have maybe a dark look. They might not switch between the two modes. But, you know, there are some. And I think for for some apps, that is a good idea. Um, And and what
0: what kind of apps look best in dark mode?
1: Generally the ones that may be sort of video, um, maybe photos, maybe audio. I don't know. Not always photos, I don't think um
0: i definitely prefer dark mode in in photos i go out of my way to take apple photos there's a mode you can get into where everything's black and and that's right
1: you double click it to do the edits and yeah
0: yeah well actually if you if you make it full screen and get rid of the left sidebar it also turns dark
1: so you can scan
0: through but it's kind of a pain you have to flip in and out of it so i would love to have photos be dark mode
1: yeah yeah, so that they are. I think everyone sort of likes likes those apps to be dark as well. You know, there's it's, there's a long tradition of those apps being quite dark, isn't it? The same with the sort of Final Cut type of apps.
0: Yeah, and um, you're you're right. Audio apps tend to be too. Uh, Hindenburg is a dark gray. I'm looking at Audio Hijack right now. It's a it's a dark dark gray with a kind of medium blue uh, little boxes on it. Even GarageBand is not a bright interface, or it wasn't.
1: No, no. No, definitely not. Um yeah, nice immersive sort of experiences I think work well with dark mode. Um but you know, word processing, I'm not so sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well I, and I started thinking about that. Web pages? Aren't those gonna be blinding when they come up?
1: They the uh I think that might be kind of horrible. We'll have to see how it feels. Maybe just get used to it. But um yeah, the you're gonna have a big I mean a lot of web pages have white backgrounds, don't they? So you're going to have a big white rectangle in the middle of the screen and yeah. uh, so everything else is dark.
0: And I, and even even text editing apps like uh byword has a has a dark mode. A lot of them do where it's they say it kind of helps you focus to have it be darker. Well,
1: that's true, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, when it's something like that. So because that's markdown based, isn't
0: it? Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. You know, you're not dealing with a sort of WYSIWYG situation, but maybe some sort of like pages, you couldn't do that, for example.
0: Right. Because in the end, well, actually, you know, I was just going to say, in the end, you print it on paper, but no, you don't. Mm. We don't no, print don't anything know. anymore either. No, so does. so maybe their white is over. Maybe it's just mm. we don't need it for anything. The white is over. <laughs> it's, it's completely overrated.
1: That's right. They'll <laughs> be. They'd be banishing white altogether at next year's WWDC.
0: Right, right. I've got to redesign redesign podfeet.com.
1: I think quite a lot of, um, yeah, geeky developers and the like will be redesigning. They'll be desperate to see if they can detect whether it's in dark mode. I don't think they can do that. But yeah, I imagine they're going to try and make their websites a bit more dark mode friendly.
0: Yeah, see, John Gruber, he's just way ahead of the game, right? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, he's been there from the beginning. <laughs>
0: been dark there. So, do you know of any plans for dark mode to be on iOS too?
1: No. But A, I know a lot of people would like that. Mm-hmm. And B, actually, well, it's not the same, but tvOS has a dark mode, dark mode and light mode.
0: Oh, that it was actually does. the first
1: to have it, isn't it? So it's definitely something they could do. Whether they want to do it for the whole phone, though, I don't know. I don't know if it's really the same idea, but certainly a lot of developers are going to be getting a lot of requests.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh,
1: to to have a dark mode now.
0: Yeah, some
1: apps do it already, don't they? I think Tweetbot does it. Um, Yeah,
0: Tweetbot's dark mode. I
1: actually have ever turned it on. Yeah, but. uh, or is that the one that? Yeah, Tweetbot is the one that maybe changes at the time of day as well. I think, is not it?
0: Oh, I haven't oh, actually yeah. turned that on, but I um. Yeah, I definitely uh, use it in a. Oh no, I've got it in a light mode. Look at me. I know on my Mac I've got it in a dark mode, but on uh, <laughs> right, on my phone yeah. it's a. Well, now let me go play with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay.
1: but I, I think dark mode will be quite a popular feature request from.
0: Oh yes, yeah, switch automatically. Well. You're right. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. We're
1: not making it up.
0: Yeah, you made up all that other stuff about translucent sidebar. Oh,
1: totally made it up. <laughs> it's just drive you mad to be there now. Hours, now I don't know what hours to... go. Where is it? <laughs> it's got to be in
0: there somewhere. Well, you know, I, I find the uh, the dark light thing really interesting from an accessibility standpoint because for some people, um, a, a bright screen is just awful. It really is bothersome to them, to their eyes. Uh, It's a a really awful thing. Um, But I have the inverse accessibility story is, uh, you know, I'm old. And uh, when I first started losing my vision, I didn't really realize what was going on. But I had trouble at work, but not at home. And I finally figured it out was I had this terrible HP laptop that was so dim that it wasn't sending bright light to my eyes. And if you, if you shine a light in your eyes, your pupils contract when your pupils contract, you have a, a deeper depth of field. A depth oh, of focus. Of
1: yes, right? Yes.
0: So I'd yes. come home and I'd have this Apple Cinema display, you know, 80 million lumens flashing in my eyes. I didn't have yes. any trouble seeing it all, but I'd go to work sure. and I couldn't see. So I, when I realized it, I turned my office around so that I was facing the window and until it got dark out, I could see.
1: <laughs> ah. Yeah, you're right about you're right about the people's doing that. Yeah, because I mean, I, you know, I've, I've done photography, <laughs> I know how that works. It doesn't make a big difference, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. So I so I actually oh, tend good. to keep my I, mean, if I keep my stuff just like blindingly bright, and other people sit there going, "Oh my god, how can you stand that?"
1: <laughs> that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about on this, or should we probably wrap things up?
1: Uh, let me see. I think, I think we've done everything, done everything we thought we'd do.
0: I think so. I think so. Well, I said you couldn't talk about your apps, but why don't you describe what, uh, what they are?
1: Okay. I have two apps right now. Um, Feeder, you might've heard of, <laughs> it's a podcasting app.
0: <laughs> not for users though.
1: Uh, not really for users. No, it's a podcast. It's an app for publishing, for creating and publishing uh, podcasts and RSS feeds in general, um, which is quite a specialist use, isn't it? And Keepit is a notebook, scrapbook, and organizer for the Mac and for iPad and iPhone. And um, you probably heard about that recently, if you are a (laughs) regular to the (laughs) Nassilcasts.
0: Yeah, so, I do. I, I do want to say two nice things, and I, you should probably not listen because your head gets all swollen up and everything. But uh. Feeder makes my life so much easier because it does all of the heavy lifting for me. In fact, it would do more heavy lifting if I hadn't started using it so far back that I haven't learned the newfangled ways. But I mean, it'll FTP your 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 audio or video file up to your server for you. It adds the album artwork. It does. It does everything for you. Once you set it up, you set up your server and you set up your little uh, templates and stuff. It, it'll uh, it'll tweet out for you. It does a lot of stuff in the background and makes it just a really simple way to work. I used to write all of the blog posts in Feeder, which was completely not what it was for. But the text editor for it is so lovely that I got really good at doing it that way. And I only recently started using Mars Edit when I found out that, you know, who knew I was using a, a tool not designed to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, the funny thing is, I actually this by myself now because I'm so used to Feeders Editor. If I have to write a blog post, sometimes I do actually write it up in <laughs> Feeder. I copy and paste it in, and I've got Mars Edit. I could just use Mars
0: Edit. Yeah, so well, they feel a lot alike in the, in the, well, the way they work. I,
1: I did actually take inspiration from Mars Edit originally because I mean that's been around maybe a year longer or two years longer than the Feeder. Mm. Um, so that was about the only thing out there that sort of sort of did similar things at the time, and I wanted to um, to steal some of those features, so I did.
0: <laughs> well, that, it's so funny, cause, yeah. I mean, the the blog posts I was writing were around five thousand words long. Now I break them up and that's... publish them throughout the week, but a, a weekly blog post of five thousand words, and I wrote that's it all in Feeder. Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, that's crazy stuff, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember being at, at uh, Blog World and I was asking a question about uh, it was an, an HTML5 or HTML session and and this one was teaching the class. I raised my hand. I said, "Look, I do a 5,000-word uh, a week blog post and before I could get the question out, she said, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. It's the way I do it. It was like 5 years later <laughs> it occurred to me to break it up. Um, but anyway, great text editor, great application. If you're doing a podcast, I highly recommend it. Uh, keep it as much more for the masses. And um, yes. the, the biggest thing I like about it is if you compare it to something like Evernote, instead of having all of your data bundled up in this, in this, um, uh, you know, database bundle, the way Steve did it, all of your data is in the Finder, organized in Finder folders and stuff. So anything you do, uh, you know, the non-tricky stuff, I mean, you can do albums and crazy stuff, but the the straight folder-driven stuff, you can right-click and say, show me that file in the Finder, and you can get right to it. And And I think that's part of what makes made me want to try it in the first place. I wasn't afraid to try it because I knew my stuff would be where I understood it, not in a bundle anywhere.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big appeal for a lot of people as well. And you can do things like scan files directly to those folders and add them into the app. You know, you don't need, it doesn't need to do a lot of things like need to scan itself. You can just use your brilliant scanning software with its OCR and just, you know, take things into the app like that. And if I get run over by a bus, probably driven by you, then (laughs) nobody needs to worry. Because (laughs) their files will be accessible in the Finder.
0: Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, the the syncing across all your devices is critical. Uh, And I use it for some of the dumbest stuff, like to remember what my sushi order is. That's the number one thing I bring up in, in it uh, for a long time. But now I keep my GarageBand files in there and I have a special shortcut for it. So I can I open up Feeder gets launched when I do the live show. So I've got them right there ready to go. And, you know, a lot of this, maybe you could do it in the Finder in reality, but it's all together in that. Well, that was the name of the previous app. It's all kept together in that <laughs> yes. one place. It's really, really nice.
1: Great! To <laughs> using it, not
0: just. <laughs> yeah, poor Steve. The worst, the worst couple of weeks of his life was when he had to be nice to me for uh, what two straight weeks while I worked on that video.
1: Oh, I'm sure you dragged it out longer than that. <laughs> like, no, it just seemed like longer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Steve, if people would like to uh, uh, see your work, where would they go, and how could they get in touch with you?
1: Um, they can go to reinventedsoftware.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Steve Harris or at reinvented apps. And, uh, there are email addresses for all the apps too. So that's, uh, that's a great way to get in touch with me because then I can just pretend it went in the, in the junk folder and not reply.
0: <laughs> that's only <laughs> that's for mine.
1: That's <laughs> just for Alison. Yes.
0: <laughs> all right. On that note, I'm cutting you off. Goodbye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says, Support the Show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal, or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.